then that's all that matters. So, cool. All right, recording. <sighs> that's my microphone. Sip of water for the working man. Yeah. So how you doing, Nick? I'm doing good. Um, so, something that I wanted to like augment in my mental health disclosures to you is um, like this isn't really like new stuff that I'm dealing with. It's it's really old stuff that I didn't know was there. Like I'm discovering that all my life I've had severe anxiety and depression, but I'm also really good at repression. So I've like blocked myself from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I have this new, like, oh my God, suddenly I'm anxious and depressed. Like I'm still me. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I can be better than this. Cool. <laughs> so I'm like engaging with it, which can be overwhelming at times. And it's, it's a lot like I'll have a, a real bad day and then a really like a better than I've ever had day. Um, yeah. and you so that's the dizzy all dizzy highs, the worrying <laughs> lows, and the sweet nougaty sweet centers. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and as, as I said to you, like I feel really safe going through this process because of the amount of resources that I have, including you and Amanda. Um, so I really appreciate that. And You're welcome. I'm I'm in a very good place. I'm, if you're if in not, the good place. Yes, and hopefully the good place and not the fake good place that's actually the bad place. I don't know. That place seemed better though than the actual good place, which just seemed really dull. Right. Because everyone that's... eventually left. Uh, did you did you ever listen to The Streets? The band? No, no. Okay. They have a song called Heaven for the Weather. Okay. Uh, and the, the main chunk of the chorus is, I want to go to heaven for the weather and hell for the company. <laughs> Which I really loved. No, I do too. <laughs> so last night, uh, well, uh, I'll start earlier in the story. Um, at one point, Rain and I were discussing like our live music bucket lists, like the okay. shows that we wanted to see before we shuffled off our mortal coils. And then we were lying in bed one night, and Rain is like, hey, I just got you tickets to go see one of your bucket list bands and we're going to go. I was like, oh, shit. Awesome. Well, that was last night and it was Flogging Molly. Um, I see you get the shirt on. I do. And uh, Anti-Flag opened up for them. So uh, we had this like cool little Anti-Flag Flogging Molly show. That we is a up. weird combination, but at the same time, not that weird. Right? Like one of the things that really struck me about this show was how how punk flogging molly really is considering that it's like an old kind of normal like if you saw him out you'd be like okay he's a lame irish guy yeah. like just totally normal and he sings about things like you know he's not singing fuck the government he's singing like oh remember when all the irish like sailed away because we didn't have any potatoes like yeah like but it's sing so, songs about potato famine and shit. Yeah, right. yeah. But it's so punk. Yeah, like, well, it is. It just I, works, and I don't understand why. 
Anti-Flag did an interesting, like, like pop hits, or not, uh, a punk hits medley that I okay. found really interesting. They, they, like, did one, like, half a verse from a Ramones song and half of a verse from... Um, a Sex Pistols song, and like in this, like I'm like, what musical are we in right now that they're doing this kind of like medley? That it was, it was bizarre. The, the Weird Al used to put one of those in every one of his yeah. albums. Yep, <laughs> uh, but he would just do a polka version of it. Right. Uh, my favorite is actually from um, his album Running with Scissors, where he did Angry White Boy Polka, where it was a bunch of grunge music. <laughs> like it was, you know, Local H, it was Nirvana, it was Nine Inch Nails, all yep. those bands, but done like a polka song. Just, but he does a, did a medley of them. I lived uh, for. Four years in two different two-year stints in the town that Local H was from, Zion, Illinois. Local H is great because they have a really full sound, even though there's only two members. I saw them at a music little music festival on the east side of Milwaukee. Um, They're playing there. And it was also the first time that I've ever been at a concert where, you know, there's always that one drunken dude who yells, Free Bird! <laughs> right. And they stopped what they were doing. They're like, you know what? Fuck you. We'll play it. And they just went into un- impromptu <laughs> Free Bird. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I was like, I gained a lot of respect for Local H that day. <laughs> all, right. all right. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Remember, you, you asked for this. <laughs> and they didn't do a great job, but they did impromptu. So I'm giving a lot of credit for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> So I, I came up with a short little topic, just in case we don't want to use any of that for the preamble. I've been trying okay. to come up with topics that will f- lead into what we're talking about. Ooh, look at you. Okay, um, I'm, I'm ready. Ahead. Okay, so we've done we've tackled some uh, fantasy movies on this podcast before. Okay. And I've noticed with myself, there is varying levels of success or uh, uh, with fantasy movies. For example, I really loved when we tackled like "You're the Hunter from the Future." Even though it's kind of like <laughs> sci-fi fantasy, but you know, it's, right. But then, like, I thought like Dark Crystal was painfully boring. <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. But then I love Labyrinth. So it's like I wanted to ask you, what do you think? Pardon me, because you, I think you might lean a little more towards the sword and sorcery genre a little bit more than I do. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. What, for in your opinion, goes into making a successful fantasy film? And what are some of your favorites Ooh. that we're not talking about today? Okay. Um, I'm throwing this at you. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, while while um, I'm excited about the concept of this, like, tangent thing, and I'm... And we can also I, save I it for the episode the if you Like, I wish I had more time to think about it, because, like, right now I'm like, oh, shit. I probably have a good answer for that, well, but I fine. can't find it for the life let of me. Let me let me rephrase it then. Just tell me some fantasy movies that you that you're a fan of. Um, maybe, that, maybe tell actually tell me the, tell me some fantasy movies that you're a fan of that maybe some people who are listening might not have heard of. Okay, that's because obviously, like the Lord of the Rings, you yeah. know, is. Uh, I don't think Peter Jackson of, needs any help. Right, but it was it was one of the most ambitious and uh-huh. and successfully um, executed fantasy um yeah so like, franchise you know, g- give us one or two that you think the listeners this, should go check this out. one isn't exactly underground by any means however what i would say is that like my lord of the rings growing up was the black cauldron 
books. Ooh, okay. uh, so I would uh, point to Disney's The Black Cauldron, which is an okay adaptation. It's It left something to be desired, but it also brought something interesting. Uh, I also believe that that is where um, Tim Burton got his start. I think yeah, I think he the... was doing like character des- character animations for some of the creatures. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there, that's there, one I would. There's point actually to. a great behind the scenes footage of Tim Burton from his time working at Disney. You can see this footage on uh, the documentary Waking Sleeping Beauty, which is about. Disney animation's um, fall in the 80s and then its renaissance of Little Mermaid. It's it's okay. a really fascinating documentary. It's called Waking Sleeping Beauty. Um, and it's all about like when the new regime came in the 80s and nearly killed their animation department. But there's a there's a point where they're talking about like all the people that came from Disney animation and they're showing like people who know, who are now run Pixar at a very young age. You know, they're showing them when they were younger and everything. And they're like, and some of you guys might know this guy. And it's Tim, and they show Tim Burton. And he's staring at the camera and he gets really, like, like camera shy and just start. he just keeps drawing circles. <laughs> and doesn't say a word. Uh. <laughs> you can find, that, that footage has been used in the past, but I know you can see it on Waking Sleeping Beauty. Nice. Um, so the the other one that I would point to, and it's a little on the corny oh, side. As, real quick, I should mention, oh. they mentioned Dark Crystal in that film because Dark Crystal is one of the things that nearly killed Disney animation because it was such a big Oh, movie. wow. It cost, it cost more than it made. <laughs> but anyways, continue. Uh, so another one that I would point to that, again, it's kind of in the same realm of like, if you consume a lot of fantasy film, you're most likely very familiar with it but there's a chance you haven't seen it uh is the not you that's the royal you not the michael yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. um is the original clash of the titans that one i have seen um it has incredible like the classic stop motion animation of ray harryhausen um i think the story pacing is really interesting Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like brilliant or or anything, but it has a pace that is unique to itself. Yeah. Um, and anything with Burgess Meredith in it is like classic in my book. <laughs> I love Burgess Meredith. Yeah. Um, so like I said, fantasy has never super been my genre, though. When there's ones I like, I really like them, and you know. But it's not one of those genres where it's like even the bad ones I enjoy, you know. Okay. It's not, it's not like slasher films where like you know matter how bad it is, I still enjoy it. But, yeah. Um, well, first I should mention um, one that I've not seen and it's a big one is I've not seen Conan the Barbarian. I know that. I have not seen that one either. That's that's so, on my list. So that'll be a future episode one day. But one of my yes. favorites, and I actually have to give a lot of credit to my best friend in high school, Leanna, and her stepdad Mark, who showed this to me, is Ridley Scott's Legend. I have not seen that one either. That one is really good. It's got. It, I'm it's, aware of it, but uh, legend has it uh, that the, the creator <laughs> of yeah, creator of, creator of Legend of Zelda was a big fan of this, and you can definitely see some like some influences oh. there. Um, but uh, no, it's got like a baby this... Tom Cruise in it. It's got Mia Sarah, which is um, you know from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. Uh, Tim Curry playing a version. He's playing the Lord of Darkness, but he's essentially just the fucking the devil. devil. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the version I saw was the American version, which has Tangerine Dream doing the fucking score. Nice. Um, but the European version, 
which is a great it's a great cut because it's actually darker and scarier has mm. jerry goldsmith doing the score and i fucking love jerry goldsmith so <laughs> legend is a great one <laughs> nice yeah well there's two more for our shameless exactly so uh you ready to start the episode nick i am all right let's fucking do this man yeah sip a coffee for the working man Discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is a great warrior and a swordsman. Who happens to be ten times bigger than me, Nick Richards? <laughs> when we like obviously we met each other in person, but it had been a long time. When I came to to see you um, for your wedding, I forgot how freakishly tall you. <laughs> I was like looking up at you. It was like yeah. I was like baby one upsies. <laughs> How's the weather up there? <laughs> How you doing? Short stuff. <laughs> I can let you know uh, when it's about to rain. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, when I heard that quote, I was like, there we go. That's it. <laughs> so we here on the Shameless Picture Show have, a, have explored a lot of different realms of the fantasy genre, as we just discussed. We've done sci-fi fantasy epics like Yor, The Hunter from the Future, and Masters of the Universe. We've had contemporary fantasy films like Highlander. And we've even tackled Muppets with the Dark Crystal. However, there has been a fantasy epic that has been discussed amongst moviegoers that has a huge legacy that we had never tackled. So we decided to cross it off both of our mutual shame lists, because today we're discussing Willow. Set in a fantasy world that I don't believe is ever named, there is a prophecy that a child will be born with a runic birthmark, and this child will help defeat the evil Queen Bavmorda. When this child is born, the queen hears about it and sends her guards to hunt down this child. The midwife escapes with the baby and sends her downriver in a raft to be found by a... Who happens... I wrote this weird. The baby (laughs) is sent down the raft and is found by a farmer named Willow. Willow dreams of becoming a great sorcerer, but lacks any confidence in himself. However, he feels a connection to this child and feels compelled against his better judgment to protect this child and escort her back to her family. Along the way, Willow meets a swordsman named Mad Mardigan, who is locked up. Is he a criminal or a great hero? Willow is uncertain, but decides to trust him, and they continue on their journey. Will this child really be the downfall of the queen, or or will Willow's journey end with bloodshed? Based on a story from George Lucas that was originally penned in 1972, the film didn't see the life of didn't see life until the 80s because Lucas had felt the visual effects had finally caught up to his vision for this film. While making Return of the Jedi, Lucas had approached Warwick Davis about playing the titular character Willow. While Lucas was had penned the idea, screenwriter Robert Dolman of WKRP in Cincinnati fame. In Cincinnati. Yeah, he wrote this. Uh, was hired to write the screenplay, and Ron Howard, whom Lucas felt could bring his vision to life, was brought in to direct. While the film made a fair amount of money and was number one at the box office in its opening weekend, it wasn't the hit they had hoped. On top of, the, of that, the film had received mixed critical reviews that praised the film's special effects and Warwick Davis' performance, 
but the film had been panned for its slower pace, and Sisko and Evert gave the film two thumbs down for being tedious and not enough story for how big the effects were. That being said, the film was nominated for an Academy Award for special for special effects, and it actually was nominated for two Golden Raspberry Awards, <laughs> but the film would go on to be a cult hit on home video and even spawned a board game, some video games, spin-off novelizations, and a new Disney Plus TV series, which I've not started watching yet. The film stars Warwick Davis, Val Kilmer, Gene Marsh, and Billy Barty as the High Wizard of Willow's Village with music by James Horner and cinematographer by Adrian Biddle. The film was written by Bob Dolman from a story by George Lucas and directed by Ron Howard from 1988. This is Willow. Trailer! Trailer, trailer, trailer. creator of Star Wars. From the director of Cocoon. A world is awakening. Why, with the strength of my great army, can you not find one little child? It's a dangerous world. That's why we need your help. Your journey has just begun. Willow. Heroes come in all sizes. But adventure doesn't come any bigger than this. Find the child. Find the child. We are not afraid of you. After them! You're gonna get us killed. Adjust them completely. Next great adventure. You are great. Willow. Coming in May. Hey, wasn't that a great trailer? Yeah. Well, hopefully it's a great trailer. I realize I never I never watched the trailers ahead of time and, and I don't realize until I'm cutting it together. I'm like, oh man, this trailer sucks for all. All right. Here here's a take just in case it is a bad trailer. Wasn't that a terrible trailer? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> terrible absolutely awful they should be ashamed now we have both options in the can yeah which you know i'll probably forget about <laughs> <laughs> all right nick so this was on both of our shame lists yes and i feel yes, like willow indeed. was a movie i remember coming on television a lot when i was a kid and but i never watched it i thought maybe saw like bits and pieces of it i i i don't know what the proper terminology is so but I remember it being about a little person. Um, uh, I I actually did a like not significant amount of research, but I was I was looking up um, appropriate nomenclature. Uh, it it does seem to be and and if if I am not like I am far from as far away from an expert on this as possible, especially because you're uh, tall as fuck, right? But it does matter to me that i get it right so what i have decided is based on what i have read i will be using the term little person when we are talking about that as a as it pertains pertains to to the to our discussion of um of the cast exactly um 
And to the best of my ability, I will be using names. I'm not great with names, so I'm yeah. th- like obviously that's the best way yes. is just use their names. Yep, that's um, what I was planning on doing, but I wanted to use it at least because, like I said, I, th- I knew that it was a movie about uh, a little person, yep. hero, and that there was a swordsman involved in it. That's all I knew about the <laughs> right. movie. Uh, um, and I didn't even know if Willow was the was was Warwick Davis or if that was the swordsman. Like I I knew nothing tree. about it. Yeah, <laughs> or a tree. Like I didn't I didn't know what Willow actually pertained to. So as um, I but, said, like I did. But not yeah, know but I I guess I'd like to say out front that um, this is the best term to use from my limited understanding. Mm-hmm. If I am wrong, please correct us. Yes, like, please, please it do. Is, it is my intention to do this with the utmost respect, um, and I know that this kind of terminology is is complicated, mm-hmm. and I am not all that educated on it. No, so we if want I am to wrong, better ourselves. Yes. Um, so, so that that is us. my intent. <laughs> yeah. So please correct us, and like I said, we we never mean it in a in a derogatory fashion. It is just a descriptor. Yeah. Um, so please correct us if that is not the correct terminology. But um, so like I said, I I knew I didn't I knew nothing about Willow Hell. I didn't even know until recent years that Val Kilmer was in it, and I. <laughs> love val kilmer like i'm realizing as i get older that i just i really get excited when he pops up in things and okay this will not be our first val kilmer movie this season <laughs> um so as as i usually ask you even when things are on both of our shame lists nick what did you think or actually before i ask you what you thought of willow what's your experience with willow what um, is your history do you have or if you have any my mine is relatively similar to yours. This is one I didn't see a whole lot. Like I was aware of it. I knew that there was this fantasy film called Willow. Um, and I should also mention I knew it was relatively popular where it had its fans. Okay. Yeah, that I would I would say same is true for me. I I knew that Warwick Davis was in it. I yeah. did not know that Val Kilmer was, but it it was like basically I knew the cover. <laughs> that, which is that a was great cover great amazing like fantasy style poster cover yeah. um and that was the extent of my knowledge mm-hmm. yeah like i said I didn't, I didn't know much and i and like i said i knew it had its fans growing up but i didn't realize i will say i didn't realize it was popular enough to warrant a disney plus TV series. Uh, right, yeah. But, but to be and, fair, I didn't realize that Dark Crystal was popular enough to get a Netflix series, so what do I know? There you go. I, and I could, not that I have any evidence to back this up, but I could see the development of Willow as a TV series being like uh, a response to Netflix's Dark Crystal. Yeah, 100%. So, what did you think of Willow, Nick? Um... I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It had some really, like, I think it had some big pros and mm-hmm. some also, like, yeah, that was just okay elements yeah. to it that kind of balanced out to be, like, a decently good, fun watch. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I think ultimately I rated it relatively higher on Letterboxd because 
I will say the final act of the film just kind of really wowed me and okay. left me on with a with a good taste in my mouth. I had a good time with it. I think I was because I, I thought it was like I was like okay, it's not quite a three star movie. I think it's better than that. And I was like three and a half seems fair, but I just I ended the movie on a good note, so I don't remember if I ended up on three and a half or four. But I think but thinking about one... it. It was the ending that pulled it up for you. Yeah, yeah. But I think ultimately I'm going to end up settling on three and a half. I, I liked the film. I didn't love the film. Um, um, and I think I kind of had similar feelings to how you did, where like when Willow was working, it was really fucking working. Yeah. In a way that like, sometimes fantasy films don't always have for me. Um, but then it did have some of the same issues that I have with this genre. With this genre. Um, but ultimately I did like the film i and I'm actually excited to check out the Disney plus series because ultimately what made, what worked so well for this film for me was Warwick Davis. Yeah. yeah. And I really he, liked his character. I, cr- I got, I started crying at the end when him and his wife were reunited. Right. I miss you already. Don't worry, Kaya. I'll be fine. I'll be back before you know it. Well, remember to keep her warm. And here. This will bring you luck. He, his charisma is that actor's charisma is undeniable he is so goddamn charming and and clearly uh, well i I shouldn't say clearly my take on well another element to my take on willow is that of all of the fantasy films that i have seen or am aware of willow is the one that is closest to hey let's make lord of the rings but have it be not Lord of the Rings. Like, it was, I kept thinking of that as I was watching this. It's like it's it's almost Lord of the Rings. It is time. so. It is like the uncanny valley of <laughs> well, Lord of the Rings. As I have been delving deeper into the world of Dune, which is which is an interesting series in itself. Because right. Yeah, that's a whole other fantasy. Because it's fantasy, behemoth. it feels more fantasy than sci-fi, but it falls into this fan into the sci-fi yes. world. Yep. But it feels like a fantasy series. As I've been watching and getting more into the Dune, world of Dune, both David Lynch's version and the more recent movie, which I actually yep. happen to really like. Uh, as um, do I. I remember thinking as I was watching this, it's like, there's no way that George Lucas didn't read this. Right. As yeah. I, and then as I was watching this, knowing this was George Lucas, is like, oh, George Lucas read Lord of the Rings at a young age. Yep. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> and like, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. That's, there's also part of me that, you know, if you... When you look at the cast and yeah. their credits, like so many of them played Ewoks or droids in mm-hmm. Star Wars also. And it was kind of like, I just read Lord of the Rings and I have this cast that I worked with for Star Wars that we could have be the, our version of the Hobbits. Like, let's do this. Like, that's yeah. kind of what it felt to me when I saw what pieces were actually there in this film. Because I, like, being aware of Willow, I had no idea that it was, until I was watching it the other day, that it was directed yeah. by Ron Howard and, was it 
produced by George Lucas. Produ- yeah, he, he was a producer on it as well. As like I said, he he has a story by credit, which means he wrote the like an he wrote an early draft. Yes, so. yeah. So that when I saw all those pieces, it's like I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's also not a complaint to it because no, like because one I thing would... I will say like one of the issues I sometimes have with fantasy films, and I think part of the reason like I always have like a a, a, a huge fucking respect for them. Uh, because of of um, what they're able to accomplish, uh, but the 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 late seventies through the eighties is definitely the heyday of the fantasy film because budgets were. In, this we had a thirty five million million dollar budget. You're not going to get that for a fantasy film now, right? Um, but like what I I what I enjoyed so much about this film was it actually felt like a real lived in world and didn't just feel like oh i want to make a fantasy epic but i have like a fraction of this budget let's just go to the woods like like they had the money to to fully realize this world and they did a good job at it well i and i think that is the the ron howard and george lucas team up combo in which they uh if memory serves it's the older i get the harder it is to hold on to these little tidbits but uh like that was the same american graffiti team right yeah yeah because uh, ron uh, howard ron howard was in american graffiti okay yeah so that was like where their um connection began but uh you can see you can see george lucas in the film like you can see the world building that some fantasy films try to accomplish, but is spread too thin. Like the mm-hmm. layers to the world building is there. Yeah. Um, I think one of the weaknesses of the film was the pacing, um, yeah. where and- there's this like, okay, Willow's going on a on this epic journey, and you know he's gonna face, you know, incredible odds and. Uh, most likely succeed in the end but it was very like oh and now this person joins for a minute and then they leave and then this person joins for a minute and then they leave and, and then that person that was there earlier came back for a minute but then left again and that's it, usually the issue i have with a lot of fantasy films is they struggle with pacing because it's a lot of them usually have more content than you can fit into an hour and a half yeah um, um and you don't also don't want to overstay your welcome one thing like i said one thing this film actually did well is like because my issue with remember when we watched the dark crystal was i just i kept i was struggling to get past the opening narration because they're bogging me down with so much lore and so much history which is also the problem with the original dune adaptation this film it gave us a little bit it it told us enough to know about the 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 prophecy yep and then we're just jumped into it and then like um and we just kind of discovered things as we went along which i think is the the best way to do this kind of what star wars did while they had a preamble and everything they you could cut that preamble off of star wars and still keep up with what's going on yes but yeah the pacing is what i struggled with because you know at first you had willow and his and his little war party and then they disappeared and then mad mardigan joins and then he disappears and like you said it's just and it, it's almost like why do we keep introducing all these characters right. when the central element could have just very easily been Willow and his one other friend and right. then Mad Mardigan and that could have been it. But then I, I don't know. It it could the also, middle of the film is where they st- they started to lose me. 
Yeah. It could also be an issue of character development and motivation too, because if in the same way that when we discussed uh, Monster Squad, we couldn't help but reference the Goonies. Yeah. I'm going to have a hard time discussing Willow without ref- comparing it and contrasting it to Lord of the Rings. They because are very similar. there are so many narrative parallels. So, in embracing that, <laughs> um, the, the characters joining and leaving and joining and leaving, very much the same in Lord of the Rings. Yes. However, in Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson adaptation that was done incredibly successful because it always had stakes and motivation. Whenever yes. a character joined or left, there was always a strong motivation and it impacted what happened next in the story. Mm-hmm. That is not true in Willow. People mm-hmm. joined and left and it was kind of like they were just accessories for Willow Ufgood's Character. Yeah, and it's a shame because, like I said, when when um, Willow originally left his village and he had like you know their best warrior, we never even really got a chance to see that warrior. I know be a war- and- like we we saw them fight the rats, but that was it. <laughs> and then I don't even remember what happened to like that cowardly character who's kind of Will's like I guess like landlord. Landlord, <laughs> I don't really know who yeah. he was. Um, they just kind of decided to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and I was like at that point, I was like, why even have them? be there and it's not like they died and had some be- epic battle like you said no stakes to it they just like would you look at the time yeah that's all i signed off. up for yeah back. i just told him i'd take him to the crossroads so we're out of here yeah exactly and like at least like mad martigan makes sense because willow leaves him and then you right. have like and then you have that scene of the baby having been kidnapped and more than likely mad martigan's just probably like here take it right and like so that one didn't bother me as much at first because it's like it just feels in his character right um but yeah it's just uh like i said i can't like the the middle of the film it, it just didn't like i said i i thought they had a great compelling introduction of of this baby being born the queen looking for it it going down the river fucking uh prince of egypt style yeah. <laughs> um, Willow finding him and being like, we can't keep this child. Are you crazy? <laughs> don't you fall in love with that. Don't, don't, you don't give it down. a name. Don't give it a name. Um, and like then, they brought a stray cat home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then also love like his little magic show and all that. And yeah. like, oh, and that and great... the magic show that had a payoff at the end. Yes. That was, that was, it, was it, it surprised it, me. And I was really I loved appreciative it. It was, of it. It was like, um, um, uh, like a almost a Chekhov's gun moment. Yep. Um, uh, in that po- a podcast I recommended to you ages ago, writers blockbusters they talk about that sometimes, where like this a payoff moment in the end, and that was that that made me so happy when that yes. came back. Um, because then uh, it was in know, that moment Willow got to be the great wizard he always wanted to be. Yes, but then at the beginning you also had that phenomenal moment between Billy Barty who has this un- insane ability to control both of his eyes, you know, <laughs> apart from each other. And yep. What's your problem, son? How do you mean? When I held up my fingers, what was your first impulse? Well, it was stupid. Just tell me. Pick my own finger. Aha. That was the correct answer. You lack faith in yourself. More than anyone in the village, you have the potential to be a great sorcerer. Like, all that was great. And then they had me up until when they met Mad Mardigan, and then I started losing interest. 
again, but then they won me back in the end. So it, uh, I think we can agree that this film had a second act problem mm-hmm. uh, related to character motivation and uh, and the consequences that didn't really show up from the in and outs of the characters. Yes, one hundred percent. But like I said, it, it it and I think the reason I still rated it pretty high is because it wowed me in the third act. Um, you know, because if this movie would have had like great first act, great second act, and then just kind of been a wet fart, it would have left <laughs> me with a bad taste, and I probably right. would have better but to have I, a bad second act than to have yeah, a bad third. I'm act. willing to forgive a lot if you had a if you had a good strong intro and you have a good strong outro. I'm willing right. to forgive a weaker middle a middle act of the film. Sure, the the least of the sins. Yes. Um. You know, because it's like, okay, uh, you know, I don't care how we got to this this final act, but that fucking cr- fight with the creature was super cool. It went on a little long, but, like, it also was, gr- t- like, I my jaw dropped a couple times, like, when that thing, like, had all of its skin ripped off and everything. It was like, it's like right. this movie. <laughs> right. I, and I loved that uh, animation style, too. It mm-hmm. did, like... It, it was reminiscent of Ray Harryhausen, that yes. big monster kind of stop motion... Uh, yeah, and it also had a really. This, I like this movie had a great redemption arc for Mad Mardigan because, yeah, because like, when we meet him, he's we don't know anything about his past. We just know that he is he's locked up, probably <laughs> because he did something fucked up or something stupid. He got himself into that essentially. Yes, yeah, I but, I think stupid is what I was feeling yeah, based on his character. But then the film, you know, kind of shed away his layers a little bit. We find out that he was once a soldier, you know, once a warrior, and he was once a man of honor. Ooh, you are a great swordsman. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he kind of had his redemptive arc in the end, and truly, and, you know, at the beginning, he just wants to help Willow to get himself out of it, but in the end, he wants to help Willow, and he wants to help this child, yeah. because he's got a strong moral compass that he forgot about. Right. So it's like, I love the way this movie ends with Willow. Like I said, even like he becomes the great sor- sorcerer he always wanted to be in a different way than he expected yep. because he won in the end by using one of his tricks. Right. Um, and Versus then, you know, the, the stone turn, you know, petrifying acorns or, yeah. or the bird trick. <laughs> yeah, he played to his strengths. Um, and then, like I said, you know, Mad Mardigan had a good storyline. I... Um, it was a nice twist. Not I wouldn't say a twist, because but like I liked that the queen's daughter ends up. It came out of fucking nowhere, really. But <laughs> you know, it, it was a nice moment. Um, yeah, like the, said, it was a visual. The Mad feast. Mart again, and and queen's daughter love story didn't feel authentic no, to me no. at all. That was one of the uh, uh, another one of the weak points in the film. Yeah, and it. I, I wouldn't even blame the, the filmmakers or actors as much as the the time because so many we were talking about this with um uh Weekend of Bernie's where so many of the relationship dynamics in from films in that era were just like, Hey, they're together because there's a man and a woman Because what else and, are you gonna and do? And they need to write that it, it was a it was a consistent problem not you know not universal but it was 
a very common problem for movies of this time period to have. Yeah, it's just like it, it, it happens, but only like for no other reason other than films are supposed to have a love story like that that was like how they felt about it and that is the amount of energy they put into that part of the story let's be real the the real love story is willow and his wife that right was that was adorable she you know cut off a bit of his her hair for him that's what gave him the strength in the end that's was what like like i said i think that's also probably why i gave it such a high rating because it's like i was like tearing up in the end when he saw her and they ran to each other and i was i'm a big softy what can i say right yeah me like, too I, I loved that and i love that you know in the end too because like i love i just think like I, I just love willow as a character um <laughs> Which, if I return to this film, he's going to be my like for hit for for Warwick Davis in this role, especially because it's such a, it's a role that he could really sink his teeth into. Is going to be the reason I return to it. Sure, but like, I, I love the whole reason he didn't want to originally even tell the tell the the elders about this baby. It's it's like oh they're all it's going to bring badness to the village and they're all going to blame me. Yes, yep. And then in the ah. end, he's the hero. <laughs> yep. He, Willow is the hero. Absolutely. I love it. Like it's a, it's that type of feel good ending that like it's it's schmaltzy but in a way that's still really effective. Yeah. And then you know again to go back to the Lord of the Rings, like it certainly shares the same theme though not nearly as well crafted of a theme of um the simplest of people can have the biggest of impacts. You know, mm-hmm. that it that it isn't the the big war heroes that are making all of this stuff happen. It was the farmer and father and husband who was hesitant to go on this journey in the first place, but he knew it was the right thing to do. Exactly, exactly. And I think those ultimately, I guess, for lack of a term, those underdog stories are what yeah. really appeal to me in, in, in any sort of uh, narrative like... You know, it's it just becomes less fun if you're watching a character who's just great at everything. Right, right. Uh, that was kind of like one of my problems with the newer Star Wars films. I just thought Rey was, she's just good at everything right away. <laughs> and I feel like there was no learning to be done. Right. You know, yeah. there was never any... There was- there's never to any, overcome. Yeah, there was never any self-doubt. <laughs> At least personally. Yeah. yeah, like there was never a moment where she was like, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> you know, because at least with Luke Skywalker, he, always, he he had those moments. At least in the first film, he was like, I can't do this. Right. And after Obendon, I especially can't do this. <laughs> and to the point where uh, perhaps it was almost a little too much with Luke Skywalker, which That's is why fair. that character comes off as like whiny and... Mm-hmm. Um, in in my opinion, and I don't think I'm alone, but... <laughs> but then, like, Willow works so well as a character because he's often like, I can't do this, but I can't not do this. Yeah, yep. And I think that's why he works. He's like, he ha- doesn't have the confidence in himself, but he also can't foresee a world in which he, he would turn He still back. has integrity. Like, he always yes. has integrity, and that is what drives him. And, and going back to Lord of the Rings, I think that's what makes... Uh, Frodo such an interesting character is yeah. Frodo doesn't have all the confidence in the world. He's got more confidence than say than Sam does. Yeah. But Frodo just it's almost like he just doesn't know better than to not c- c- go through with this. Yeah. And I think that's why he's a compelling character because like I said you could write a character with self-doubt with issues with confidence um 
who doesn't believe in themselves and still root for them. Sure. Once again, the perfect example in a movie that we've talked about on the show was Rocky. Right. Rocky, right. at no point in that film, thought he could actually beat Apollo Creed. Nope. <laughs> you know, whenever people were doing this, like, what? and no one around him thought he could do it. Well, and they're like, they're like, hey, Rock, why are you doing this? Yeah, he's like, hey, Rock, why are you doing this? He's like, because I don't, I got nothing else to do. What are you going to do? Another film with the great Burgess Meredith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he won an Oscar for that film. Okay. I, I'm sure we discussed that, but yeah. again, old man memory. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, th- that's what I'm looking for in a character. Like, I'm looking to have someone to root for. Yeah. And granted, there are always exceptions to every rule. You know, because there, there's, you know, I'm sure there's characters who are great at everything that I love. You know, it, it sure. happens. Um, that seems to be Tom Cruise in every movie. He's just <laughs> great at everything. Um, but I, it's just, it's harder for me to to connect to someone who has no self doubt. Because I think we as people all have self. No matter how confident you are, there's always a moment where you're like, I can't do this. <laughs> Every day of my life. <laughs> yeah, pretty much every time I get in front of this microphone, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then you knock it out of the goddamn part every okay. time. I wasn't fishing for compliments, but I'll take, <laughs> I'll take it's it. not going to stop me from serving them up. Um, well, here's so I, I think on the whole, we agree on a lot of things about this film. But here is. Well, I wouldn't even say it's a it's a difference opinion on the film, but this is the one difference of opinion that I've heard that I haven't yet stated, and it's about Val Kilmer. Okay. On the whole, I do not like Val Kilmer. Really? There aren't. I've seen a good handful of his films. Very few of them am I like, oh, good job, Val Kilmer. Usually, it's like meh, meh. This was the first film that I saw Val Kilmer where I was like. Oh shit! I might like Val Kilmer now. <laughs> you know, and I get that because for the longest time I was not a big Val Kilmer fan. Okay. But if I could give you a recommendation of a movie that I think you should check out, okay, it doesn't have to be Shameless Picture because I don't know if it's worth discussing for the Shameless okay. Picture. Okay. It's a movie that I absolutely love that turned changed my opinion on Val Kilmer because I think he is the the most charming fucking person in the entire movie. Uh, Real Genius from 1985. Hi. Would you be prepared if gravity reversed itself? I, well, I... The only thing I can't figure out is how to keep the change in my pockets. I've got it. Nudity. I was here for a second this morning. You didn't straighten up the place, did you? No. Good, because all my filth is in alphabetical order. This, for example, was under H for toy. What is it? This? It's a penis stretcher. You want to try it? No. I'm kidding. It's yet another in a long series of diversions in an attempt to avoid responsibility. I uh, dropped off my luggage, and now all my bags are emptied. You see, Mitch? I used to be you. And uh, lately, I've been missing me, so I asked Hathaway if I could room with me again, and he said, sure, so put all your stuff away in the bottom drawer there, shirts, pants, shoes. I had a little trouble with the sports jacket, so I threw it out. Okay, I have not seen that one. Came out the year before Val Kilmer's big hit of Top Gun. Yeah. It came, he did Real Genius, Top Gun, and then Willow. Um, it was Real Genius that really kind of changed my opinion on him. 
Okay. And I think I even have it on my Voodoo account. So if you wanna if you wanna watch it, I will make that happen. For nice. You. Okay. Um, and then like after seeing him in that, and because he's also playing, because there is a point where Val Kilmer, be he knows he's Val Kilmer, and <laughs> is just kind of being Val Kilmer. Right. Um, right. And like it's not to say I love him and everything, but I I I'm appreciating him more now, and that's the movie that kind of changed my opinion on him. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Hey, it's, it's comedy. As always, that, I am willing to give it. Yeah. A, a chance. And it's a combination it, between that and the Doors. I really liked him in the Doors. Okay. As uh, Jim Morrison. Um, so yeah, I I I I highly recommend you check out Real Genius. And actually, I'm curious if it is uh, streaming anywhere, just in case you don't want to. Watch it off of Voodoo. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm looking it up. It is on an app called Pluto, which means you'll have commercials. You can just watch it off of my thing. Uh, I have Pluto, so well, I can check it out. Uh, and it was it was directed by Martha Coolidge. You also did Valley Girl, so if you like Valley okay. Girl, I think you'll like Real Genius. Nice, because Val Kilmer in that movie plays. He is a the smartest guy on this on this college campus. Who has no motivation to actually do anything <laughs> um and then a new student comes in who once again lacks any real confidence in himself um and val kilmer takes him under his under his wing and actually learns to apply himself and teaches and this kid learns to find confidence in his own abilities nice yeah so but oh i get it like uh and especially because why i like val kilmer like this is not a great Val Kilmer performance. I'm not sitting here watching this being like, God damn, Val Kilmer's a revelation in this. And like through half of the film, I was like, so is, is his name Mardigan and Mad just what they call him? Right. Like, like Mad Mad Mars or Mad Mardigan. It's like, I was, I was uh, confused by that. I, I wasn't time. because I was watching with subtitles on. Oh, so I was reading fair. it. Um, but no, I really enjoyed Val Kilmer in this. It was, yeah. um, he, his light, um it to to pull on my D D experience, I thought like he's a fighter character who's being played like a bard. Yes, actually. <laughs> or but a rogue. As someone maybe, but. who is currently playing a D D campaign as a bard, he is far better with swordplay. But no, I could definitely see that with Mad Mardigan where he is a yeah like a, a bard or rogue in personality, but yes. a fighter in actual class <laughs> yeah it's like because like because it's interesting too because he is always doing everything he can throughout this movie to stay out of a fight yeah you know like dressing up like a like a female so you <laughs> have to get into a fight and all this and like and you learn in the movie he is very capable right he fights off a good portion of this army actually that's one of my favorite point parts in this movie is when that fucking creature comes to life and they all run away from it and, and he's standing next to all him. his enemies <laughs> <laughs> I chortled out loud at that point. Yes, that was uh, one of the the highlights. And then they all the gave him that look and like, really? And he's like, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, yep, I'll just be over here. <laughs> and I was like, Val Kilmer makes that work because he just has so much personality in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So uh, I think we're winding down on our uh, uh, what we can talk about with Willow. Um, <laughs> I will ask you, as I always, well, not always, because I always forget to ask. Um, did you have a Thrill House moment in this? <sighs> and if you didn't, tell me then your favorite moment. Just I in general. think 
Uh, favorite moment was probably the to to the best of my recollection the one that you just brought up. Um, though I did also appreciate that um, the running bit about the sorceress that had been transformed into an animal and the amount <laughs> yeah. of times that willow tried to change her and just turned her into a different animal uh, and there's um, also that built once again of val kilmer where he's like he's like so what do you look like he's like i'm a beautiful woman he's like can you can you turn her back <laughs> right <laughs> do, do, do that um and that actress is in the never-ending story as who as the the wench to the winch oh. wench oh it has to story is one that I really before like. it heals. I love that Everton story. That's like one of my like sick day comfort movies. Like uh, that one, I could watch a billion times over, and I think it is imaginative and original and beautiful. I I cannot say enough good Wolf things Gang about Peterson that. Wolfgang Peterson directed it. Just passed away last year. Oh really? Wow. You have to watch it in his honor. Yep. Um, but I. <laughs> I think my thrill house moment was the 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 village sequence very early on in the film in part because of Warwick Davis's portrayal um said he they did an incredible job of setting up that like the the reluctant hero yeah the, the setup for this movie is just so fucking well though. yeah also his kids are some of the cutest damn kids i've seen in cinema 100 <laughs> percent. and like i said I, I say the same thing about his wife she just seems like an adorable person right i um, love how the the kids performance like it feels like they're so excited to be on set and they're mm-hmm. just like they're diddling and the diddling is super off like they're not acting like they're diddling it's like I'm I'm imagining how many cuts that hit the editing room floor because they kept like looking around like, are we doing it? I know. Are we doing it right? <laughs> yeah, I, actually, my my thrill house moment was really early on too. It was right around there, but I actually think it's um, it was Willow trying to like, um, you know, answer Billy Barty's question of like which finger or whatever it was. That uh, yeah, and then and then the 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 heart to heart afterwards. Right. That was like, okay, I'm invested. I like I like this character anyways. Right. But this is invested me in his journey. I love it. Yeah. That's a great great answer. And, and then, I like, just just purely favorite moment. I think is is same as you is just Val Kilmer and in, in realizing that he crossed enemy lines and all <laughs> <laughs> And and his hijinks overall throughout the whole film were really entertaining. Um and you know, it, going back to kind of our, our disclaimers in the beginning, I put a lot of thought. It I can't say I came up with any conclusions, but I put a lot of uneducated thought into the portrayal of little people in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it it felt very positive to me. Mm-hmm. But my take on it matters zero percent. Um, but like you know, it. Where was I going with that? I got so wrapped up in the like making sure that my wording was respectful that I lost my concentration. <laughs> um, what were we talking about just before that? 
uh, favorite moments. Yeah. Yeah, just edit that out. I, I yeah. lost track of it. All right. So, like I said, I think ultimately both like Willow. I don't think neither of us necessarily loved it. Yep. Um, but, I would watch it again. Yeah. Uh, but out of, out of the episode, out of the movies we've discussed so far this season, it is definitely the best movie we've discussed <laughs> so far. <laughs> a lot of disappointing watches on our list so yeah, far this year. Yeah, and the birdies was not good. Um <laughs> Murder on the Orient Express was kind of boring. Yep. <laughs> but Willow, but Willow felt like a was a fun Fisher. watch. And then next, uh, our next episode is going to be a fun one. We're going to have my friend Josephine on, and we're going to discuss Spice World. Yes. <laughs> a movie that I haven't seen since I was a kid. And like I said, I you know it's not a movie that I think either of us would have necessarily chose, but her pure excitement, that she just requested it. And I was like, yeah. since you request it and you are clearly excited to talk about it, we're gonna fucking do it. Well, we're, we're like, local H being told to play Freebird. You know what? Fuck <laughs> you. We'll do it. <laughs> I don't know how good it's gonna be, but goddamn it, we're gonna. We're do gonna it. do it. Well, I, I honestly, her excitement for it excited me. I never had any motivation to watch Spice World. Like, I, I never really listened to them. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have any connection to the source material to get excited. But her excitement for it was like. Oh shit! Yeah, of course yeah. I'll watch Spice. Let's if, let's do it. <laughs> if it's even anywhere on the same level uh, as the Josie and the Pussycats movie, I'm stoked. I love Josie and the Pussycats. I do too. I do too. I think, and it's not great. just because I had a huge crush on Rachel Lee Cook. Rachel Lee Cook either. <laughs> That's just an added bonus. Added bonus. That's just icing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and Rosario Dawson looks exactly the same in that movie as she does right now. Yep. It's insane. Um, So, yeah, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Uh, Willow, like I said, I really like... And I actually would recommend it. I would say people are like, oh, should I watch Willow? Yeah, go watch Willow. Yes. And then I'm going to start watching the Willow TV series because I'm legitimately curious. Awesome. But uh, anything else you wanted to talk about, Nick? (sighs) No, I just have Flogging Molly songs running through my head. Yeah, that's all that matters. You know, just, <laughs> just go with it. Uh, but then I guess if you got nothing else, Nick, I what we should say to our listeners is uh, make sure you tune in. Shame time, shame place, shameless picture show. Whoa! I got it. You're much better at it than I am. <laughs> I got that radio voice. Woo! <laughs> the Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Easton, Maryland and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Byers. Today's episode was edited by Michael Vyers. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 Speed. The shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Vyers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.